Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Fitter and Faster Coaches Corner. I'm your host, as always, Mike Murray. Today, I have a coach and a business owner that needs no introduction to those of us in the swimming world. I'm very happy to share today's episode of Coach's Corner with Paris Jacobs. How are you, Paris? I'm good, Mike. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. I know you're super busy. This was, we were very lucky to catch you in the middle of, I'm sure, a, a thousand different things. And we are really excited today to talk about swim biz and the business of swimming and the business of club coaching. I think it's something that young coaches aren't considering enough as they start their careers. You have a really interesting story with how you got your business up and running. And we wanna really take uh, both a 10,000 foot level and a deep dive into how you got started uh, and the things that are motivating you now. You have been involved in a lot of different aspects of our sport from club swimming to the national governing body to the board of directors at ASCA to working with the ISL. Paris, you have been seminally involved in so many different aspects of our sport, and it makes you a real expert on things that are happening in our sport. So why don't we start out today with just you explaining how you got into the swim business so that our young coaches who might be thinking of starting their own team or starting their own lesson program, what are some of those initial considerations you had and how did machine build into what it is today? Thank you, wow, gosh. That's a really long and big um, answer, but you know, obviously Dan and I, I met Dan coaching. I was coaching for a club here in Potomac Valley. Um, that's where we met. And um, you know, at the time we were coaching for that club and um, you know, Dan and our former business partner, Christian Dowd, you know, had a, had a vision of kind of what they wanted a club to look like and, and maybe, you know, having their own club and, and doing those things. And so, um, you know, they used to sit around in our living room. I remember it clearly and kind of joke about this. And I was like, you guys are crazy. We're not doing this. Um, and then through, you know, a series of events, um, it became a reality. And the next thing we knew, you know, okay, we are going to do this. We're going to start Machine Aquatics, um, which was in 2001. It was in April of 2001. Um, a lot of people ask us all the time where our name came from. It actually came from our swimmers. Um, you know, when the swimmers who first joined and knew that we were going to be opening a team um, said, why don't you call us machine? Because you guys are always telling us how to biomechanically use our bodies and how to efficiently swim in the water and, um, and to swim like machines. And we kind of were like, you know what, that's, you know, not a bad idea. Um, our team colors actually came from, Dan had been a longtime coach uh, for a summer league team here, as we all know, our bread and butter, right? We build our programs from our summer league. Um, their team color was green. Christian had been a summer league coach at another team. Their team color was orange. And so out of that came two of our primary colors for our team colors. You know, and we started the club, um, as I said, you know, in April of 2001 with a long course season and then went straight into our first short course season um, that September. Actually, our very first day of practice here in Washington, D.C. area was September 11th, 2001. And so, you know, we started under that and really needing to be a place of security and safety for our community um, after everything that had just happened. Um, obviously, we didn't have practice that day. We did the next day, um, you know, and and everything kind of took off from there. 
um, you know, getting involved and, and needing to know what was happening and to your question of, you know, how, how did my career kind of start? <laughs> um, very uh, accidentally, I will, I will be honest, you know, when we started Machine, as any coach who's um, left a club, jumped a club, started their own club, sometimes there's controversy. And, you know, um, I'm not going to shy away from the fact that we started under some controversy because we had formerly been with another club. And frankly, no one would help us. Um, we, we, were, we were the bad child of the LSC, right? And so um, I made some mistakes registering. Um, at that time, it was just, again, remember, this is 20 plus years ago, um, was called before board of review by our LSC, where um, I literally kind of sat in front of the firing squad and they were all around the front and here's me sitting there. And um, I just said, I'm so sorry. You know, I didn't mean to improperly register or not have kids registered in the meet. I didn't know, no one would help me. <laughs> um, and we got fined, you know, 20, 20 years ago, brand new club, we got fined over a thousand dollars. And I remember leaving just stunned. And one of the board members who was involved nationally came up to me and said, you know, the way to not have this happen again is to get involved and know the rules. And I said, uh, I, sir, um, you don't know me, but I just wrote you a check for over a thousand dollars as a brand new club. You're going to know me. And that, you know, not in an arrogant way, but it was just like, okay, you know, the only way if I really want this, if Dan and Christian, all of us want this to be successful, we got to know the rules. We got to work from the inside out. Um, and so it, it, it started there and I started getting involved with the LSC um, and then progressed to zone, um, was doing some stuff at the zone and then progressed to national level and doing some national team managing of trips and camps and as you said, I mean, then it went from there, right? Committees to this and that, but my philosophy behind it, you know, really has always been, if we wanted our club to be the best that it could, we needed to be involved. Uh, we needed to have ownership in, in what was happening and professionalism. Um, and, and then from there, um, you know, really be able to say that, that this is a profession, you know, we came and we still struggle with this, right? That football coaches or basketball coaches or baseball coaches are looked at professionally, you know, especially back then when you'd say to somebody, you know, well, what do you do? <laughs> it's a swim coach. No, what's your real job? No, really, <laughs> the swim coach. So it was very important to us that the level of professionalism always existed within our club. And, and so that was the backbone of how everything came to be, you know, um, a lot of sleepless nights, <laughs> um, a, a lot of stress. Um, you know, I actually, I went into labor with Dan and I's first daughter, um, you know, and, and he kept saying, are you in labor? I'm like, I don't know. You know, when we had five coaches at that point, I'm like, just go to the swim meet. Turns out I was in labor, you know, and had to call him and try and find somebody to cover the swimmers to meet me at the hospital. I mean, you name it. We did it. Kids on our backs going to practice, <laughs> meeting in the parking lot, switching out. You know, we, we just did what we had to do. Sure, sure. And I, and I think people can really appreciate that picture of the early days. And what I remember, the first interactions I had with Dan, obviously at the national level and Christian. And I remember thinking to myself, and I was, you know, 22, 23 years old, these guys are just having a lot of fun and the kids are swimming really fast. 
And I think one thing that's been a really important part of your program and the development over the years is that you guys really enjoy the business of swimming. We, we do, and, and that is all of us. I mean, and that goes down to everyone who is in our staff. I mean, we are a family and we are really, really fortunate that, um, gosh, we still have people on our staff that have been with us since year one. Um, we have people who've been with us since I grew up swimming with us are still with us, Blair Pittington, you know, who, who's been with us a long time, grew up swimming with us, went to swim in college, came back coaching, still coaching, heads up our age group program now. Um, you know, we pride ourselves on being a family and, you know, in making sure, especially in, in this area where we are, that's such a highly competitive market. The very first thing I say to people um, is that we have a spot for everyone, you know, as long as your expectations are kept in line with your commitment, you know, we, we want you, you know, um, I, I, you know, as we, as you and I talked about talking about branding and, and marketing and who you are in the community, um, I, I learned a very important lesson, probably when my kids were like eight or nine, I was timing at a summer league meet and um, the person timing with me clearly didn't know who I was. And that sounds very egotistical, but not in that sense. And we were just chatting and the people on other sides of me knew who I was. And, and so she's talking about swimming and where she's asking questions and I'm telling her things. And she finally says, you know, gosh, you seem to really know a lot about swimming. Is this like a hobby of yours or something? And at that point, I'm like, all right, I, you know, I said, well, actually I'm Coach Jacobs from Iowa Machine Aquatics. And she's like, and she stops and she was mortified. And I was like, no, 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 you know, please. And, and, but she looked at me and said, great club. We're not good enough for that. We'll never be fast enough to be with you guys. And I'm like, whoa, whoa wait, like, and, and that was a moment that I had to come back to my staff and look at our branding and our marketing and our, you know, what we were perceived as in the community and say, hang on, like, thank you, but no, that's not what we want to be. You know, we, we want to be a place for all, as I said, as long as your expectations are kept in line with your commitment. And, and that was a lesson for me, right? This, here's this stranger who just told me how we are perceived in the community. Well, two things that I take away from that, Paris, is that you're very cognizant in that moment to make that mental note and bring it back to the business side. So not all coaches, when they first get started, might have a very high business acumen. And obviously, it's something that you can develop as you move on in your career. I remember one of the early uh, quotes on a machine shirt was simply build it. It was machine, and then it said, build it. And I thought that that was the coolest thing ever. Talk to me about those first early days when you were setting the vision for the club, what you wanted it to be, and then ultimately how you built these different arms of the company. Sure. Well, you just nailed it. I mean, our very first tagline was build your own. Um, and it still is to this day. That is our absolute company tagline. Um, and some people get it, some people don't. I've had people who tell me like, I don't understand what that means. Um, and for us, you know, it, it's primarily Dan and Christian as the coaches really at that time. I mean, yes, I was definitely still coaching, but they were coaching the higher levels, right? I mean, that we're gonna give you the tools, we're gonna work with you, but you have to build your own, right? You, you have to be responsible for everything that you do. And, and as we progressed through the years and we had um, other things that became kind of our secondary and third taglines, you know, strength, integrity, and honor, that became our next one, that 
really wasn't just about swimming. It's about family. You know, we've, if, if Dan were sitting beside me, as he says to our parents every day or every year, sorry, at our parent night, you know, families first, you know, and then school and then swimming. And if we can keep all of those in line in the pyramid, then it will all come together and it will all work, you know, but we're going to give you the tools to build it. And, but you really got to build your own. Um, and yes, I mean, we, as we moved through, you know, the, the phases of our company that became machine brands and all the different things that we do, um, you know, we, we had to take that philosophy as well. You know, there's a lot of things that led us to taking the next steps. Um, you know, I'm very fortunate. I say this all the time. If anybody's ever attended one of my classes or talks, I did not swim in college. It took me until my 30s to acknowledge that the reason I didn't do that is because I simply didn't want to work that hard. <laughs> Played another sport as a volleyball player. Um, you know, swimming is hard. It takes massive dedication. It takes massive support, um, not only from the coach, but the family, the dedication. Um, you know, I remember the first time with our own daughter, who's now in college, that Dan was gone and she had moved to the 430 national group or national prep group. And I was like, oh, God. That means I got to take her, you know, <laughs> those family commitment things. Um, so as we moved through, you know, I, as I said, I got fortunate enough that I got to take two things that I always loved. You know, I went to school for business. I loved swimming. I was always a coach, even though I didn't swim in college. I coached summer league. I did all of that. Um, and I got to put them together. And I forever will be grateful in that. I got very, very lucky in that sense. Um, Super, super fun how you were able to, to create that symbiosis with, with who you are as a person. Not, not every coach gets to do that. They don't. And I, I will tell you through all my years of mentoring coaches and working and in, in all of my various roles, I think the tragedy that happens in, as um, that we have a lot of coaches that don't realize that they can do more, right? That they can go outside that box. Um, you know, and I think not in a bad way, I've, I've used this analogy a few times um, when, whether it be consulting with a club who, a board of directors who's trying to figure out what to do with their coach or they feel like the coach doesn't realize their potential. You know, for our coaches, uh, everybody, success is measured in one one hundredth of a second, you know, and, and that's in the grand scheme, that's one one hundredth of a second. I mean, that's just so little. And so, I think kind of the inherent carry all from that is that then you have some coaches who go, this is all I can do because it's, it's so minute, you know, minute, but it's so big at the same time, really successful coaches can do so much more. Um, and I do believe that coaches who understand the business side become such better coaches. They really not saying they need to control everything, but you know, within our machine family, nothing is a dictatorship here. Uh, you know, the greatest ideas 90 times out of 10 I get are from my coaches coming to me and saying, we need to do this. Um, you know, my job now with overseeing all of our divisions is listening to the coaches. Why do we need this? What's it going to be? What is the end game we're trying to get to? Um, and especially with Dan as the head coach after that and saying, you know, there's times when he looks at me and says, we got to do it. And then my job becomes, I got to figure out the budget to make it happen, right? What, what are we giving up to make this or how are we going to change? Um, 
So I think really empowering the coaches to be a part of that process is very key to being successful long-term. There's no doubt about it. And if you had asked me 10 years ago what I was thinking about in the preparation for a season, it would be, how are we going to get ready for Olympic trials? What's it going to take to get on the national team? Now it's- Trying to get you down here, man. Now <laughs> it's, how are we, how are we, how are we trending membership wise? What's our budget going to look like? So, you know, you evolve as a head coach and as a CEO into understanding that you can't do this without that first. And it's, it's so critical, especially in terms of the long-term planning of your, of your club. And um, I want to share Paris, uh, the, the PowerPoint that you sent me. Um, and you could just talk about these slide by slide if you want. Well, sure. Um, you know, so obviously I, I have helped, you know, teach, write, to develop the level five business school for ASCAP American Swim Coaches Association. So some of these are pulled out of um, that very long class in a day. But, you know, as we really get to what you and I talked about as far as brands and understanding what your brand is, as I kind of already alluded to, and who you are in the market and what that looks like, um, it's critical that anything that you do stays consistent with your brand. Like we said, so build your own or we're a machine family and all of that. So these are the current four divisions um, that we have here within our brand. We obviously started with Machine Aquatics, um, our team, that's our year round swim team um, in 2001. And, you know, it was always a dream of mine to have a swim school. Um, I'm not sure um, that, it would be what that back then it would be what it is today. And actually I realized I just, our, our, our largest and biggest accomplishment actually isn't on here, but our performance center that I'm sitting in right now. Um, but, you know, we wanted to have a swim school and, and it became more real for us because what was happening at that time. Um, and again, please remember the timing in the industry. Um, there were not swim schools, you know, there were not these franchises. We saw that boom about 10 years ago when the entrepreneur, magazines and franchisees started started identifying swim schools as the, one of the most profitable uh, industries to be in. So then we started seeing, you know, these people who were not necessarily swimmers coming into the market. Um, but at that time, it was either clubs that own swim schools or your county rec, YMCA, Red Cross, all of those. Nothing wrong with the programs, but what we found was there was a major gap between coming out of the program to being ready for a competitive team. And it was um, honestly starting to impact our brand in the community because they would leave out of a level six or eight, whatever it was in that county program being told you're great, go. And then they would come to us and it was like, no, you're not quite ready yet. And parents would be upset as we know. So from there, you know, we decided this, this kept happening and kept happening. And we just said, okay, you know what, maybe it's time to start a swim school. So um, we opened our swim school. I, we got incredibly fortunate. There is a child whisperer here in our community. She's still sitting downstairs with us, Nanny, Nancy Monahan, who um, called me up. She was actually at another place and said, I heard you're looking to start a swim school. And I said, I am. Are you telling me that you'd be interested in coming? And she said, I've always wanted to be a part of the company. And yes, I would. And I'll tell you, I about fell out of my chair. And so we immediately hired Nancy as the director. 
um, and opened up using two of our team facilities that we were renting from. And I lived through a year and a half or so of her and Dan going back and forth about water temperature. One would turn it up, one would turn it down. And I mean, <laughs> I mean twice a week we would have these, you know, we gotta have it warmer, it's too warm for my athletes, you know, all of this. And um, January 3rd, uh, 2010, no, 2011, because it's our 10th year now. Um, was standing walking out of a meeting from one of the facilities and I was zoning out on the pool and they were each on a side of me and Dan says I don't like that look I know that look what's going on and said there's only one way to solve this we got to build a facility and he thought I was nuts um, and I did all the legwork did it very quickly we got very fortunate to find the facility here in the town that Dan grew up in um, and November 1st of that year, we opened our first facility, which was then obviously Machine Swim School, which was the first purpose-built standalone swim school in our county. Everything else was county-driven. Um, had that, and at the time, um, my assistant's um, uh, husband is a big triathlon guy. He decided he wanted to make a career move, wanted to open a youth triathlon team, kind of came to me and said, what do you think about this? Um, and initially I kind of paused because I'm not a triathlete person. Um, you know, I, I, I am a runner, I am a swimmer. Um, I fall over standing still. So getting on a bike was not something that I was familiar with, but I thought about it. And the thing that occurred to us all was creating this triathlon division. Um, and this was in 2014 in 14 into 15, could possibly provide a home for these senior swimmers who realize they're not gonna swim in college, who realize that they're never gonna make a national cut, but are pretty darn good swimmers. And if you know anything about triathlon, as I do now, that is the weakest leg for many triathletes. And so now we're creating an environment where possibly they could stay, they could swim and bike and run and see how it goes. And so I said, okay, let's do it. I said, but here's the deal, you gotta run it. I'll, I'll oversee the business, but I know nothing. Um, it, it's been great. Fast forward two years, Andrew's done by great things at that point. We became a high performance club. We were funded by USA Tri. You know, four years in, we were putting people on the national podium, on the world podium. Um, they actually were just down um, in Fort Myers in a qualifier last weekend. They're heading to Sarasota. Uh, Thursday. <laughs> so still going. Um, you know, and then out of that came our next phase. Um, three years ago, um, our swim school had been doing great. We decided to expand it. And um, so now we have what's called Machine Performance Center, which is where I am now up in our offices, but it is a 24,000 square foot multi-use performance center that has swimming, um, biking, we have a bike shop, M3 bike. Now we have a CompuTrainer uh, studio, we have physical fitness, we, we partnered with PT Solutions, so we have physical therapy here, we have TRX, we have all of our national team dry land here, <laughs> pre-COVID. <laughs> I mean, um, but it became a way of looking at it and saying, how do we bring everything in house? We were spending all this money in other places, um, you know, and we took another leap of faith and 
Um, lots of lessons learned with that build out. <laughs> um, and then same thing, um, you know, gosh, I, I, as I, I talk about in a future slide, you know, don't be afraid to take a chance and don't be afraid to know when it doesn't work. Um, when we expanded our, our team sponsor, our team dealer for the triathlon division at that time was looking to move. So we brought him into the facility, um, moved the bike shop here. Um, funny story, a lot of things just kept happening. And my business partner, uh, you know, Andrew's now our uh, business development director at the time and um, came to me and said, things not working. And I was heading to the ASCA offices. And I said, look, at this point, I don't really care what the solution is, but either by Friday, I want the keys or, you know, I want them out one of the two. Um, and I want this signed. And he called me that Thursday night and said, guess what? We own a bike shop. <laughs> Not expecting, um, but Andrew and Allison have jumped in. It's a part of our division. It's their baby. They handle it. And, you know, didn't work in the beginning, but we made it work in the end. So. It's so cool, Paris, because all of these things have now kind of become their own company, but they help drive so much success from a performance standpoint for the swim team. They do. So it's all founded in that. And, and, and again, that comes back to our core value, right? Like we could sell all of it tomorrow, but the team is our baby. <laughs> the, the team will never go anywhere. I tea every, you know, as every coach does, um, Dan's in his fifties, I'll leave it at that. He'd kill me for saying how old he is, but I, I tease him regularly. I'm like, is this quad like the one where we're gonna start to step back? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's always that next swimmer coming up, right? And maybe it'll be the next quad. So. Lord knows when he'll step back, but that'll be the thing that we never let go of it. It's what started all of this. Well, I'll tell you, I've done five national select camps. I've had a machine athlete at all five. Well, thank you. That's a testament to our coaches. Absolutely. <laughs> if you go back real quick on that other slide, I think that's yes, kind of please. really, if you don't mind, because I think, you know, this is a really big one because I do get asked this a lot about brand awareness and, you know, um, making sure you know so dan designed our logo he designs all of our shirts he actually was a graphic artist before we went to this full time our first five years of machine um we had a graphic design company still and that that was fun um i was still running weddings and planning weddings i mean we were doing everything we could right to <laughs> to pay the bills um but I think when you start really looking at your brand and what you are and what you want to be, you know, it has to align with your values. And that, you know, I think that's a lot of times what is missed when people start talking about branding and, and being aware is that it's more than just your team colors or your logo um, or catchphrase. I mean, and Mike, you've done it too. You know, work works. I, I see it all the time. I see it everywhere. I'm so mad we didn't think of it before you. <laughs> But it's, but it's true, right? For you, it comes back to that. And, you know, for us and our companies across, it has to come back to our values and in, in who we are that builds our brand. Yeah, so. and you can see all of these, um, you know, these, these phrases that you've used over the years. You and I were talking in pre-production a little bit about how you've allowed the athletes to play a role in that. Can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. So again, in building that brand awareness for a really long time, we, our designs, our shirts, everything just didn't vary. And I, I give Dan a lot of credit in that graphic designer. He, he um, 
you know, it, we had a dealer one time take a, a liberty with our logo. Yeah, that didn't go over very well. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, but but as we moved through and we were, you know, 10, 11 years, 12 years, I was like, okay, how many of the same shirt can we have? You know, it's it's time. So he came up with a great idea within his national team and the kids as they were going to these different meets as you were talking about, you know, sweep the leg Johnny or, you know, any of those things. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Um, those all came from the swimmers. And so, you know, they get to put all these phrases together, send it to him. They boil it down to what it's gonna be. They vote on it. You know, sometimes Dan overrides or vetoes, sometimes I do, but you know, it's really engaging them in the process. And then obviously when we're on the trip, they choose what shirt they wear the next day or what phrase they want, you know, for the Saturday night finals with the 50 free, right? What, what they want the back of the shirt to say. Um, so we really have brought them into that process and it, it becomes kind of a reward for their hard work too. Yeah, it's really cool how you guys do that. Um, that's gonna, all man. <laughs> yeah, it, and what a great idea to engage your 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 athletes. So again, you know, this is the different iterations of our shirts, and, and people know them; they recognize them. I mean, this with the aquatics removed, or even you know different variations of it, but but pretty pretty much this, even with our swim school, you know, they're downstairs. That's what's handed out. You know, little swim school logo on the side, but the overall M. And as you saw within our logos, you know, there, there's consistency through the logos. The gears remain always, you know, the the lettering, the type font, the machine, you know, there's certain things that always, our team colors um, always remain. I never in my life thought I would have so much orange. <laughs> uh, we used to have an orange basement. That's no longer, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's in that brand recognition, um, it is important, you know, it's that hard balance we feel, right? You wanna have different shirts, but when it's too much all over the place and too many things, um, you get awareness. So there's a very big difference in business and marketing and building of brand awareness and, and IP, you know, and understanding what that intellectual property is. So you may have a brand awareness because people have seen your logo, but is there a value in that property? And, and that's what not being all over the board and really being thoughtful and concise and knowing your path of where you're heading and in your strategic plan, you can build the value, not only of your IP as a company, but your, your personal IP. You know, that was my big thing with ISL, right? Like, hoping and making sure that our athletes understand that they have a value, that they they have an IP. Uh, and I remember my very first conversation with Constantine was about that, you know, and that's where we aligned was the, the athletes knowing their worth. And the, the coach needs to know their worth. A club needs to know their worth. For sure, for sure. Um, and we're moving into protecting that brand, Paris. Yeah, so this is this is a big one. I, you know, I've um, I've definitely, um, you know, I do a lot of consulting with clubs, um, you know, and different board of directors. And protecting your brand is really critical. So you build it. We are all guilty of it, and and then you get lazy, right? Especially when you've been around for so long. You're like, we're here, we've done it, um, and you know, we know who we are. So therefore, everyone should know who we are, right? 
Um, we learned, I'll, I'll share a quick story with you. We learned a great lesson within our own company, um, how Dan and I had, had actually kind of gotten a little lazy in this. Um, we were provided an opportunity um, from USA Swimming, probably 70, under Chuck Wilgus, that he was looking at a program with Mark Hesse and Tom Avicius of within club development, coming out and spending time with the club, not just coming in for the afternoon, but spending you know seven, eight days with them and, and really getting down in the trenches. And we were fortunate enough that in the pilot program, you know, I, and I think it was a fantastic program, they brought it to us. And so we spent six months telling our coaches this was coming. This isn't a bad thing. You know, they're going to have total access. They're going to take everybody to dinner. They're going to go staff. I mean, they had total access. And then they went through exercises with us as a full staff. And one of the biggest ones was what does it mean to be machine, right? What, what, what does that mean? And so of course, Dan and I are like, wow, there's like our catchphrases, there's seven words, right? There wasn't, there was like 19. <laughs> and all of a sudden Dan and I had to go, well, wait a minute. Like we know what it means to be a machine because we talk about it every day, but clearly we're taking that for granted because our own staff, I mean, while they were consistent, they were not on target, right? So we had to step back and say, okay, what can we do to help our staff and, and to be better, to make sure we protect our brand? Um, so that's one way just by stepping, you know, by getting lazy and not willing to look around because, and it's so, so easy to do, especially right now with COVID, right? We're all in survival mode. We're trying to balance, we're trying to figure it all out. But don't be afraid to kind of step back and, and ask your staff. I think that's the biggest one, um, you know, especially for the person who is the dry side operations, even if you are on the deck, you know, when we're on the deck, we're not necessarily talking about the business, right? We're talking about splits and times and, you know, training plans and meets and all of that. Um, but my analogy that I use a lot with my staff and, and our family is that, you know, here in this office, we're the architect, you know, looks great to me on paper, but you are the builder. And if it's not working in the pool and on it, I need you to let me know. Or if it's being perceived wrong, like I, we can't do this without you. Um, and so that's another big part of protecting your brand and making sure that you're creating a culture that the people who are, are on this ride with you feel valued and empowered to be a part and not be afraid to come to you, right? Like they, they need to be able to walk into your office and say, or pick up the phone or whatever, go have a beer and say, hey, this isn't working, you know, and, and this is why. Um, you know, and I, and I guess another quick one I can share that I've talked about one of our coaches who's been with us since year two, she's our site director. Um, fantastic coach. I'm terrified she's going to retire soon, Lynn Nickley. And um, she came to me and said, I, I really, you know, I can't progress the athletes the way I want in the current structure, you know, and, and she was right. They were kind of hopscotching. They would go to here, go to another site, then come back. And, and I said, that's great. But guess what? You know, I hear you, but change, making these changes is going to cost us about 25 to $30,000. And I, I got to, I got to figure out, you know, how, how to offset that or what do we do and kind of ultimately we, you know, I got to, I just don't see how I can make this happen. 
And she said, do you mind if I take a shot at it? Of course, have at it. Um, came back to me the next week. Not only did she solve it, not only did she cover the potential deficit, she increased it by 10,000. <laughs> so, I mean, and I, I forever go back to that because I never saw that happening. And, you know, I, I, kudos to her for bringing it to us and that whole delegating and don't be afraid and to ask your staff and their strengths. I mean, she was the builder. She, she could envision and see what was happening in her playing field. Um, and I was fortunate enough that we had created an environment that, that she felt she could come and be a part of that process. Um, prioritizing, you know, gosh, as coaches, we're all terrible at this. Um, we have, um, I'm gonna turn my screen around for you real quick. So I'm sitting in our conference room. We have what we call our whiteboard. That is our, our for our walls in here are dry erase on purpose. Um, because when we come together as a staff, you know, when we're in here, we, we put up things or we talk about meets or our visions and our plans, but also especially kind of right now coming into April, right? We're going to be focusing on next season. So we'll go through the exercise of all the things we want to change, which will be 50 things. Right. And then I'll be like, okay, guys, <laughs> what are the five that we really got to do? But they don't disappear, I guess is my point. We call the parking lot board, they don't disappear. You know, we still have things even from that report of Mark Hesse and Tom uh, Avicius that every year, um, I read it every year. And I'm like, are we doing this? Are we not? Or what's one more thing we can pull off the parking lot board to make good? Um, by nature, a successful coach, I'm sorry, we all have egos. <laughs> Egos are what make you successful. They're what drive us. I don't mean that in a bad way. And a part of that ego is wanting, you know, we have a hard time saying no. I remember, and I'm certainly the pot calling the kettle there. I remember the first time Dan said to me, you know, no is not a four letter word. Um, you know, it, it, but, but prior, prioritizing what you need to be successful, you know, um, and therefore your brand will be. Um, and then the last two, you know, I you know, really kind of talk about um, association within the community. Um, you know, a lot of times, especially for young clubs, shoestring budgets, we're looking for people to help us. Um, we want to be partners in the community. Uh, certainly was always our MO, um, you know, that you know, a school that asks us for something, we never say no. We may not be able to give a check, but we'll say, you know, our budget is exceeded for this year, but how about we give you a swag bag that you can give away, you know, gosh knows, we all have tons of stuff laying around, right? Give them a bag. We're a part of it. We're represented in the community. Um, but then there are other things that will come to you that may not necessarily align with your brand. And they may, I can't have, I cannot tell you how many times we have been offered to have partners or to lots of things that we've had to walk away from and say, you know what, this just doesn't align with where we are. And yeah, we could really use that, but we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll always figure it out another way. Um, and I think that's really important. And again, to, to reference Chuck Wilgus, I mean, he, he would, he, I learned a lot from him working underneath him. And that, that was one of the things that he would say is, you know, does this align with where USA Swimming is right now? 
remember when uh, we were at a board meeting and, and Anheuser-Busch wanted to support trials. That was a big deal. You know, now we could talk about it back then we couldn't. And it really came down to is our Olympic trials with a bunch of 18 and under athletes, the place where Anheuser-Busch's logo needs to be, you know, and, and even though they're offering us a lot of money, ultimately the answer was no, you know, at that time, you know, I know we have sponsors now, but, and then um, again, as I said before, not being afraid to try something to build your brand, but also own it when it's not working, it will happen. It's happened to us. We, we've had partners, as I've talked about, we've had other things that, you know, initially, it's um, it's why operating agreements and understandings are so important. You know, um, they're not there for when things are great. <laughs> they're there for when we're not really sure. Um, you know, we don't have contracts for our coaches because we're just the way our state is organized, but um, we do have expectations from both sides, right? Here's what we expect from you. And here's what you should expect from us. And if we fall short of that, we want you to hold us accountable. Um, so, you know, don't be afraid to try something. Um, and if it's not working, figuring out a professional way to exit it, you know, it, with the least amount of um, drama and carnage <laughs> that you can't, it happens. I mean, if you've been in business long enough, it's gonna happen. For sure, I should have called you last week because I just finished two mutual uh, understanding agreements for um, some of the future things that we're doing. But yeah, you're right. I mean, that, those are all such important considerations. And one thing that my mind kept going back to is, as I listened to you explain that really eloquently was, you know, are your expectations in line with your commitment? It's the same message that you're giving your athletes is the message that your business is run on. Absolutely. And, and, and there are times, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie, you know, it, it, you know, uh, ISL was a great experience. And we had, um, you know, and as I'm re-engaging for season three and trying to figure out what that's gonna look like, um, you know, we had a meeting here within our senior staff, you know, and said, okay, if I do this, you know, these pieces are gonna have to be picked up um, far more than I ever thought, right? I thought I was gonna be able to balance it. And the next thing, I mean, no, I was, I was gone. There was no balance. I mean, I check in with them, but uh, came back to trust. I had to trust the people that were within our staff that, you know, if they made a decision I didn't like, I were gonna have to figure it out. We're, you know, people are going to mess up, we all do. Um, you know, and as long as our expectations are kept in line with our commitment, you know, at that time, I wasn't fully committed to our company. I mean, I was and I wasn't, right? I mean, there's only so much to go around. So my expectations had to be kept in line with what I was giving to our companies at that time. So important to understand that, Paris, and that distinction is critical. It's a great segue to my next question, which is, you know, Paris is one person, how is the company organized? And, you know, you travel a lot for a lot of the different things that you do and that you're a part of. So how important is it to build that trust in your staff? And what are some of the things that you're doing as a company to help organize all of these different pieces? Absolutely. Well, and I, it's so different this year, right? In a pandemic. So before COVID, um, everything kind of came from our central offices. 
and Allison is here and Becky, you know, who are literally, you know, my left and right for within the team side. Obviously we have Dan. So the way that Dan and I are, uh, you know, just kind of broken up in responsibilities. Um, it's funny, everybody's like, oh, you're the CEO and he's the COO. I'm like, and I've even said this even, I mean, I'll be honest with you, it comes down to Mike Unger even, right? The COO is so much more important <laughs> than the CEO. <laughs> I mean, Dan is there, he's on the deck. He's really overseeing all the operations. He manages our coaches, coaches in that day-to-day -day development. Sure, we talk when we're looking at results and meets and qualifiers and are we happy with how many qualifiers we had or not or you know evaluating our overall performance is, is definitely a conversation that starts with Dan and I and then brings in you know the other people who are part of our senior staff um, you know within um, our performance center here as I mentioned we have Nancy Monahan who's been with us for forever um, we used to have, um, right before COVID hit, we had a director of operations, Brett Nickley, who's Linnea Nickley that I already referenced, her son, um, not a swimmer, came uh, out of college as a soccer player and started in between jobs. And next thing you knew, he'd been here for a long time. And then during COVID decided to go be a real, real estate agent, which we fully support. <laughs> His babies still come here for swim school. Um, but having each division has a senior management team and you know again pre-covid and so you know monthly we would come together and say okay you know first tuesday of the month is always uh team our team meetings wednesday is swim school or i should say second tuesday sorry um swim school you know and again pre-covid we have a lot of full-time employees um we have 13 full-time coaches so our offices, we, we have cubicle offices behind me, you know, we have our senior management offices and then we have an open floor concept um, where we wanted everybody in here, right? Because it created a lot of um, synergies and a lot of ideas. And in fact, what we found was even part-time coaches would come by, you know, and be like, hey, I, you know, or every staff meeting is open to anybody who wants to come. There's some that are required, you know, some that are not. Um, but, you know, to your question of like with me traveling, it's just a lot of communication. It's a lot of emails. Um, and again, trust in everybody knowing what their responsibilities are. Um, and I'll say I've really enjoyed this last year not traveling. I've started traveling again just recently. And I'm like, oh, I miss, <laughs> I miss being home. I really have enjoyed, obviously, I stepped down from ASCA um, and you know, season two for ISL was in Budapest. So I so I really enjoyed being so fully ingrained in our own companies again. It it it'd been a couple of years, you know, it was a lot going on. And um, so, but again, I, I'm really fortunate that I get to do what I do because of the support that we all have around each other. And that started honestly, you know, with my mother-in-law. I say that all the time, you know, when my kids were little, if it hadn't been for her, I, I don't know where my career would be, you know, because Dan and I could go and do at times what we needed and travel and knew our, our kids were gonna be okay. And we were very fortunate in that, you know, and I, I give her that credit all the time. It takes a lot of people to make uh, even your average small swim team work, right? It takes a lot <laughs> of extra people, constant. Coaches hours are, are, they're not forgiving. They're not easy, you know? Um, and again, in pre-production, you know, talking about you, right? We have small children and, I remember the time that Dan and I had to have that conversation of, um, you know, at that time he was coaching primarily afternoons and evenings and late nights till nine o'clock. But 
school times were coming and and it, it I remember saying to him if we don't start a plan now to get you out of those times you're never going to see the kids like you're never going to see any basketball games or never see lacrosse or um, and so it was a conscious decision on our part to slowly it was a three-year fade out and searching for coaches. I remember we talked to you at one point about coming down, you know. Yeah, I was this close. I, I really. Um, but, you know, in, in, in making that plan and recognizing, you know, as I said, as coaches, we give everything, um, but we have to protect our families, right? We have to, and I hope that that's something that we've all learned out of this last year, you know, is to take a break um, and, and, and be okay putting boundaries, you know, I think that would be the biggest thing I would share, you know, in fact, Becky yesterday, who's fantastic, and it's crazy right now with meat entries and over the weekend, and um, parent was, had some questions, wasn't happy about something, and I said to her, you don't have to answer right now, but they'll keep emailing me, that's okay, that's why we have office hours, and you can email on Monday and say, thank you so much for your email, Apologize, I didn't get back to you over the weekend. Our offices were closed and here, and, and that's okay because there's gonna be so many weekends coming up where we've got meets now back, right? That we are gonna have to be on. We, we're gonna have to be monitoring everything, make sure. So you need to protect that time and take those breaks. It's probably the biggest thing that Dan and I've learned, you know, in the 20 plus years of doing this. And these make us think that we're in an instantaneous society, right? Exactly. And and you mentioned something there that's so important for young coaches is you don't need to respond in the emotion of the moment. Oh, gosh, no. You know, so, yeah, get, give it a couple days. Everything will be fine on Monday and you'll have time to respond reflectively. Absolutely. So we have communication rules in our company. No, no, no lie. Um, and they I'm are write these down, Paris. Yeah. <laughs> I'll send them to you. I mean, but but they are when to write, when to call, and when to do both, you know, and, and underlying and all of that is what we, again, when we were all in the office, affectionately returned to um, step away from the keyboard, and you'll hear it, because it's, especially if all of us have been CC'd on something, and something crazy has come in, you know, whomever reads it first, you'll hear somebody yell, it's a step away from the keyboard, don't respond, because <laughs> um, especially for coaches, Dan, you know, even any of our coaches, they're giving everything they have to these athletes. And so when a parent accuses you of not, it's an emotional, right? You, you feel attacked. You, in, you think about all the things you've given up within your own family to be there for this person's child. And, and in a lot of sense, you know, a lot of coaches are spending more time with that children than their own family is. And so, um, you know, if a parent is upset, we, we never respond. It's really funny, um, especially for me, when people send me just some of the scathing emails, it all happens, none of us are perfect. Um, my running joke is I spend half my life apologizing and the other half signing checks. Um, but that, that I do not, um, you know, when somebody sends me that email, I call. And so when I say, you know, hi, this is Paris Jacobs from Machine. I got your message. I just wanted a moment to chat with you. At least half of it, it's like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I was having a moment. It was bad. You know, it's disarming. Or they are still really angry, but but we can talk through it, you know? And 
believe me, I've had plenty of times in all of our years, I think we're up to like 12 now that where we have said to somebody, you know, we probably aren't the place for you. <laughs> and we can give you some numbers of some other clubs and, you know, and not, and not being afraid to say that either, you know, that, that, you know, I, I appreciate that you don't like my response. Um, you're certainly entitled to that. I'll always give everybody, and I say that even within our own machine family staff, you know, you may not like a decision that Dan and I make, but we will always tell you why. We'll always tell you the thought process behind it. We'll always be willing to talk it through with you. Doesn't mean that we're going to change our mind, but we are going to share with you why. Um, and so, you know, in those, if we have a parent who's upset, you know, and, and we've kind of come to an understanding, then we always follow up with the email. Thank you so much for your time today. Just to reiterate what we discussed, because nine times out of 10 with a parent like that, it's going to come back. Sure. And you want to be able to reference, um, you know, my staff teases me that I can be the queen of the passive aggressive email. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Where, you know, Thank you so much for your email. Um, as you will see in the email noted below, <laughs> you know, but but we're all busy and it's not even intentional, right? It's it's just documenting and making sure that, you know, especially again for coaches, you have so many swimmers that you see through the years and what's happening and um, we're we're normal, we're natural. We can we can mix this kid up for another kid. I mean. Shoot, I call my children five names before I get the right one. You know? I know. <laughs> so, um, so those are that, that's kind of the backbone. I'm happy to send it to you. We do have it written out. You know, it's just sure we have to have reminders of it, right? I mean, we are not perfect. My lord, we make mistakes all the time. I think one of the things that Dan and I and all of us here try and pride ourselves on in our brand is that when we do mess up, we will own it. We're not, you know, and that's one thing I will say to a coach. As a parent, all the time, I see it happen. Um, you know, we'll miss a kid swim, right? You're gonna miss seeing that swim. It's going to happen. Um, maybe not so much now, but before when we get back to normal. And when the kid comes up and you say, you know, oh, it was great and all these things and you start talking about things. As a parent, I'm gonna tell you if I'm in the stands, I'm watching my kid and I'm watching you and I'm watching both. And so if the parent sees that you did not even look at the water, but yet you just told the kid, you've just lost all your credibility. And so, oh, you know, that's a minor example, but a, but a big one, I think too, right? <laughs> own that, you know what, I'm so sorry, I did miss it. Let me see if another coach saw it. How did you feel about that swim? What, what, tell me what you were thinking and talk through it that way versus you know, communicating something that may not be so because you're trying to protect that it just made a mistake. We all do it. For sure. For sure. I mean, that that's a common one too. Um, and it can and, really and, harm your brand. It can oh, absolutely. really harm your brand. Credibility is gone hundred yeah. um, percent. Paris, I have two more questions for you and, and they're kind of the big ones, but the, the first one has to do with the business end of things. What platforms does machine use to keep the communication happening? Do you yeah. use Slack? Do you just text? Do you, what are you guys doing to stay in constant contact? Oh, okay. So I think this is like, and, and 
Mike, you are so much better at this than Dan or I ever will be. So I'm going to put that out there right now. And like when Brett was here, I used to laugh because I'm like, this is my like that generation. Tell him and he'll tell me what to do. Um, I have gotten better. I give all that credit to Kyle Mills at ASCA, who was like, I'm going to bring you. He is like incredibly impressive dude. Yes. And so, you know, to. <clears throat> Uh, have spent two years working with him and you know he would show me all these different things and it's really funny because when I go out to talk to people in our you know my generation dance generation they're like how do you know all these things I'm like not me man Kyle <laughs> um, <laughs> and so then I come back to my staff and I'm like have you seen this what about Calendarly what about a doodle form you know so but um, every coach inside especially this year kind of has their own way we we communicate Pre-COVID, it was a weekly email that came out every Wednesday. Parents knew it. You know, it, it, it was it was all right there. Um, obviously, I mean, we're still swimming outdoors in four of our locations. We're all over the place. So everything is so site-specific, especially since we span across two states. Our, our rules and guidelines are different. Um, so a lot of that has fallen to our head coaches this year within the sites, you know, to, to communicate internally. A lot of text messaging. We have a text thread that is um, all of our um, all of our head sites and full time staff, right? That's on that. And so, um, and again, our head site coaches are then empowered to. We've given you the information. Um, you need to disseminate it with your staff and go over it. And that's the same way we actually do our reviews. Um, when we do our year end review, we have the primary supervisor, you know go over a review with the the part-time coaches you know or a junior coach or any of those things and then bring those to us and then we all look at it together and then look at it as a site so it's a it's a three-part thing um team unify we do use team unify um i think like all of us there's frustrations with every communication platform right now that we wish could be better um and bridging the gap between i think our biggest struggle and I've got some great staff that help with that is the kids communicate one way, <laughs> the staff communicates another way, the parents communicate another way. Um, so making sure that we're just saturating it, right? Every time I send something to the parents, I immediately go into our, our company list and I'm, you know, guys just sent to parents below, FYI. So I mean, it's always a two-step process so that our staff never feels blindsided by something that was sent to the parents, they, they need to know what's happening. Um, and again, we're fortunate, we have offices. So we're starting to come back in here. Most of our staff has been vaccinated at this point. So, um, you know, we are very fortunate in the state of Virginia that because we own our own facility and rent where we are the primary as the lifeguard, we're first responders. Um, it's something that we fought very hard for with VDH and very true, right? Yes. We'll be the first ones to um, give CPR. So, um, and just a lot of openness. I mean, I, I really hate to say it that way, but it's just a lot of openness. Um, and I've had to learn through the years, right? Just because I think I tell Dan, I thought it would get to this or, you know, and being aware that we all have so much going on that it's better to overshare within your staff than to assume. And I definitely was victim of that. I definitely, a lot of times assumed the staff knew things because I told a couple and I didn't tell everybody and I learned the hard way. And so now I make sure, right? Sure, sure. <laughs> everybody, yes. Everybody's on the same page and everybody gets to know. 
Paris, this is the big question here is because you have such a good, uh, you have such a good place to kind of look a lens to look at our sport. What are you most excited about for the future of swimming in this country? Wow. Hmm. There's a lot there. I think, um, wow. <laughs> um, I hate to say that I, I tie it back to a little bit of ISL, but I'm really excited to see, you know, in, in season one, um, I did a lot with the contracts. I did a lot with recruiting, you know, all of that, um, really setting up uh, the behind the scenes infrastructure in the US side. I got to work very closely with all the GMs um, and I really liked it and I loved it, right? I got to take my business side and the athlete side. And I knew a lot of the athletes obviously having done national team stuff too. So there was an element of trust there. Um, I think the most exciting thing that I appreciate seeing right now, and it goes back to kind of where we really started with this is the athletes owning their own IP and understanding that they have a value um, and that our sport has a value, right? Like we, we constantly, I don't get asked all the time anymore, you know, when you say you do swimming, you know, what's your real job, right? Like that we're starting to actually make true inroads and be a sport that is recognized. And of course, that's a Michael and Katie effect. That's a Bob effect. That's a Bruce effect. I mean, these people who have been out there as the primary coaches in a club level, right? The college side is a little bit different, um, but to, to be out there, um, I just think that the athletes having these opportunities, um, e even if ISL, and, and this is not a prediction or anything like but, but went away, right? Like if that wasn't there, I think the athletes recognize that what they do is pretty cool, even when they're training and it gives them something to aspire to. I mean, we're in a tough time right now with seeing so many collegiate programs go away. And I know we're all committed to finding a path back, you know, for them. So, you know, I know that's not the typical, the games or, you know, those things, but I think that's probably the biggest one. And then on the club side, um, and I was actually talking to Brendan Hansen about this the other day, uh, as we're looking at some projects, um, that coaches are starting to own their own IP as well, right? That you're seeing more coach-owned clubs, and that's not a bad thing against a board run or a booster or any of those things, but, um, and if they're not coach-owned, those boards are starting to understand the value of the coach more than just being the person on the deck holding a stopwatch. And I hope that if I'm able to help progress anything forward, those are two things that I'm really, really passionate about because making our sport professional and, and I give fitter faster our look, you know, David, David's a very good friend of mine. I mean, he, uh, you know, gosh, I've known David. I don't even know. I'm sure he'll call me after this and tell me the answer, but uh, <laughs> I mean, but I remember the first time I met David and he's like, I've got, you know, I'm, we're going to do all these things. And, and I've met him before, obviously with Gary and some other things, but I mean, he's done the hard work. He's put the brand awareness out there. He's providing a service to our athletes. He's bringing a level of professionalism to those that was there, but elevating it. I mean, we're just, he, he's changed the game for those post-grad athletes. They, they now have an opportunity to earn money on a, on a semi-regular basis or on a regular basis, depending on what they do for us here. Um, and it, and it, it just changed the game. Like you said. Absolutely. And, and, or even, 
I mean, look at your guys' full-time staff, right? Or people who graduate out, right? That's number one of our number one challenges when I was involved within USA Swimming More and then within the USOPC, you know, and looking at that post-grad, I mean, even the foundation was looking at it, you know, what happens when that athlete retires? What happens next? How do we, you know, you guys are creating a platform that, you know, really is again, a business development, right? I mean, look at your staff. They're primarily all ex-Olympians. Yeah. Um, so I just think it's so exciting to see professionalism. If Again, I think back to 2000 and 2001, and we literally were, were the sport that was talked about every four years. We were nothing more than when summer league rolled around and, you know, you do what? You swim, you, you know. So I think that's probably the thing I'm most excited about. And, and obviously, I think that under the leadership within USA Swimming, ASCA, all these different things, we're going to see a great trajectory coming, heading in, you know, to LA and to the games. It's only going to continue to build. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Paris Jacobs, thank you so much for your time today. I'm going to have you stick on with me for just a minute afterwards to just give you some updates on this. Um, but we certainly appreciate it. And we'll have this episode out for everybody on our website and on our YouTube channel. Paris, thanks so yeah, much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you to you and David. Anytime.